Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Glitter Boys. In this very special episode of The Glitter Boys, I want to talk about one of my favorite features of Palladium Fantasy Wizards, specifically. And that is the Enchanted Fucking Cauldron. So, as I understand it in this one, wizards get spells differently, right? Yeah, so, when we look at 1st edition, let's take it a step back further. If you're familiar with Rifts and any of the other current Palladium systems, including 2nd edition Palladium Fantasy, characters who practice magical abilities generally tend to get more of them as they level up. You have what's called PPE, or Potential Psychic Ability, Potential Psychic Energy, and that is used as magic points or mana points to, to cast your spells. Line walkers and rifts and wizards and palladium fantasy, every level you get X more spells automatically. Except in first edition. In first edition, palladium wizards do not get new spells as they level up. Now, you may think, that's some bullshit. I need more spells. But again, if you listen to our last episode, you should know what we're going to say about this. The game is what you get out of it. It's not what's written on your sheet. So if you're playing a character who wants more power and that power is not given to you, go forth and take that power. That's the whole point of playing. Literally. Wizards in Palladium Fantasy First Edition, they have to go find their spells. You get them from buying them, maybe from other wizards or or a magic ship. You get them from adventuring, from finding scrolls. You get them from translating ancient texts. You get them from playing the fucking game. But you can also get them from the Enchanted Fucking Cauldron. The Enchanted Cauldron is my favorite aspect of Palladium Wizards. So in first edition, Palladium Wizards don't have potential psychic energy. You don't have mana points to cast your spells. It's Similar to Dungeons & Dragons, actually, in this, in that you have spells per day. You can cast X number of spells per day. And it's, it's not limited by level. You could cast... If you can cast five spells per day, you can cast five of any of your spells. As many times... Or you can cast the same spell five times. That's the highest level you know. Or you can cast the same lowest spell. doesn't matter. Five spells per day. That kind of thing. But you want new spells. Because... The spells that you start with are simple. You start with the ability to decipher magic. That's a good spell. You start with sense magic. Crucial spell. Cloud of slumber puts people to sleep. You know, first level AD&D wizard is a walking sleep spell. You start with globe of daylight. You got to be able to see. Tongues so you can speak with people. And the sixth and best spell, the enchanted fucking cauldron. This is a spell that... Every wizard knows that they can use and double, double toil and trouble their way into possibly, maybe, learning a few new spells. Or something else horrific happening. <laughs> or going mad, maybe doing some other things in the process, maybe causing a rift in space and time. Who knows? We're weird, crazy stuff. As the book says, the Enchanted Cauldron is among one of the more disgusting and dangerous methods <laughs> of gaining knowledge of the mystic arts. So, how does it work? You're thinking, 
Oh, uh, double, double, and troll and troll and trouble. You say so, Macbeth wizards, right? Yeah, let's think of that. Let's think of witches or something. We got a big old cauldron, and you're gonna throw in some stew. But in this case, the stew is made of a dead butterfly. You know, it symbolizes the spirit and the soul. It's a an owl's feather, symbol of wisdom. Oh, and six pints of human blood, fresh, <laughs> and that symbolizes, you know, heavy metal because that's what this <laughs> game is. Then you got to stir it with a, an iron or steel sword approximately two hours before the moon's zenith with only a 12% chance of success per level. That's character Things level. can go terribly, terribly wrong with this. Oh, yes. So if successful, the spirit that you summon into the cauldron will give you candy and magical spells and probably affective disorders and permanent neurosis and psychosis. So, you know, that's fun. The two hours of chanting and the aroma of the boiling blood is what will attract a spirit to the cauldron. They, they have to smell the human blood boiling in the cauldron. Yes. It's, it, it attracts and invites a spirit of magic to enter the cauldron and share with the summoning wizard the joys of life and death and permanent neurosis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're ever bitching in your D&D campaign about... Well, don't I just get the spells? What do you mean I have to go and find them? <laughs> they could be worse. You could have to cast the Enchanted Cauldron. Now, let's, let's talk about these supplies. So, Palladium Magic frequently has material components. Now, not all spells do. Having these components allows you to you know, do cool things like cast spells. And they're considered to be tools of the trade. Other of the Palladium classes, such as the Diabolist and the Summoner, they have to have like special chalk and special blood and paints and insect parts and animal parts and all kinds of things because they have to draw out these symbols and then, you know, evoke the magic within their special components to make these symbols and circles surge with power. It is a gruesome art. If you want to be a sorcerer like D&D, you want to go warlock because warlocks are the magicians who just get spells. Not many, but they're cool spells. But if you want like true power in Palladium, you want to play a wizard and you want to master that enchanted cauldron. <laughs> so if unsuccessful, nothing happens, but the, the contents must be spilled out. In a graveyard, you you have to go get new ingredients. So as I just read this in preparation for this, I, I see a whole bunch of, of spell-greedy mages wandering along, like, draining hobos or something, and just to make sure that they have enough people on hand. This this creates a very interesting, an interesting sub-quest for, for mages, which is basically find enough ambulatory human blood to keep around. Oh, there is a, a footnote on that. Of course, an additional problem with the Enchanted Cauldron is possible alignment conflicts. After all, how many good characters are going to use a spell requiring fresh human blood? How do they get the blood without murdering? Volunteers? Well, comma, that's the problem. <laughs> I love Palladium. 
<laughs> and something about this, the way that this spell is worded and presented as it, it takes up half of a freaking page, the way that this is detailed is it underlies the way that magic in general is presented through all Palladium games. Magic is not presented as something happy and wondrous. In Played in Fantasy, magic is frequently written in the lore of the setting as being drawn from terrible sources of power. And wizards and diabolists and summoners in many societies, most of them, are feared, shunned, if not chased out of town and killed. Because they, societies, and, and in many ways rightly, believe that these magicians, these uh, practitioners of of inhuman power are not good people. <laughs> yeah, if you're in a town folk, uh, if you're in a town and some of the folk keep showing up six pints low of blood every day, it's it's going to be torches and pitchfork time. And even in rifts, the magicians in the books are unstable. Like the yeah. line walker gets power, but if you start reading about what the line walker can do, they're kind of, they're not that sane. They... They frequently deal with energies of other worlds that can manifest and corrupt them. Now, let's take it a step further, and we have shifters. Shifters are, in many ways, portrayed as downright evil villains, madmen, who who's, who are similar to the summoners of Palladium and Fantasy. They want to draw otherworldly power and you know take power for their own, and, and that power corrupts. I love that portrayal. It reminds me a lot of Dungeon Crawl classics, where wizards kind of start getting corrupted and turned to chaos very similar also to warhammer yeah when when you're dealing with power that has to be bartered bargained or bought that gives you a level above your common humanity it's it's hard for a wizard to maintain the same ethical ties that we would consider normal so they they start muttering things about the greater good and <laughs> things like that. And then you know it, it's time to to never turn your back on on that wizard when they start taking those shortcuts. Yeah, and one of the character classes in the game is a witch. And a witch, what you might be thinking if you're into like fru fru nature magic and Wicca kind of stuff, forget that. Witches in this game are characters who have sold parts of their soul to otherworldly entities for power and it's it's not it's not going to work out for you <laughs> it's, it's it's not good I, you know yeah. after revisiting this with you i'm starting to wonder if that late 80s early 90s uh furor about uh, <laughs> you know the devil in role-playing games wasn't because this that wasn't D. i'm starting to wonder if some of that blame <laughs> lies squarely here and you know what the fun part about that is from my own history? When I was in middle school, we played this, we played Palladium with a, a group of my fellow students who, one of which was a fellow whose parents were Episcopalian, I think, Episcopalian ministers. His, his dad was an Episcopalian minister. His mom yeah. was like a, a Christian mystery writer. Uh, okay. They would not let us play Dungeons and Dragons, but the book said Palladium, so they didn't care. They had never, <laughs> they never even read it or looked into it. So we played Palladium, 
And right. it was fine because it wasn't that Dungeons and Dragons thing that they had been hearing so much about. No, this was clearly something different. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that, you know, Dungeons and Dragons second, uh, second, no, first ed, pretty frou-frou, uh, not, not too brutal. But this is, you know, uh, just a few years later and just awful. <laughs> this, like I said, palladium is metal as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like i can almost picture kevin just every now and then leaning back while he's writing it and just fucking throwing the goat being like yeah <laughs> like it is good <laughs> you know uh back to the cauldron though once once the disturbing deed is done and you know you've trained five or six hobos and you actually have gotten a success <laughs> It's not just one spell. Like, it bottoms out at three and goes as high as seven. Uh-huh. So, when you're counting up the human cost of your insane lust for knowledge and power, I mean, the, the, the cost-benefit analysis is actually pretty good if you can, if you can pull it off. Permanent psychosis. <laughs> you know, it's not just permanent psychosis. I'm going to go over that table real fast. Uh, roll percentile dice and see insanity table. 1 to 13, no insanity. 14 to 20, affective disorder. 21 to 40, phobia, only one. 41 to 50, phobia, two. And this is my personal favorite. 51 to 70, neurosis slash sexual deviation. Uh, there's also neurosis, general table, and psychosis. You know, I didn't go far enough to look at the sexual deviation table. I assume there is one, or do you just get to pick it? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Let's <laughs> let's turn. I I would allow maybe a choice. <laughs> like, tell me, Not, what do you no, want I'm to curious. fuck the most? Let's get to the tables. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's actually a sexual deviation table. Uh, I was looking at the neurosis, and it's not one. Very there. disappointed. Yeah. So you get to pick one. Yeah, I, I would think you get to pick one. Well, that that's all kinds of fun. I think that right there on the flipping madly for sexual deviation tables is where we should probably end this episode. Yeah, yeah. It says roll for sexual deviation, and I don't actually see a sexual deviation table. And you know what? I'm okay with that because this is the 80s, and... I can't expect a sexual deviation table in a 1980s RPG to be up to my standards. You know, we all think we invented sex, but I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that people were pervs like way back through history. I, I'm, I'm almost positive that's a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. Yeah, you're still looking for the sexual deviation. I table, am, and and I don't, <laughs> I don't see it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it there. I'm, I'm going to to leave it there. Maybe it was cut. Maybe because this book is the uh, ninth Do printing. You have the second edition. This is first edition. I've got second edition over there. I don't want to deal with it. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to end right. this on searching for sexual deviations. <laughs> <laughs> As we should. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. 
Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.